If you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 15 today. We're going to be talking about God, our healer. You know, when I was uh, called into the ministry, I've had several pastors over the years give me uh, a bunch of books from their libraries. And one of those books is, um, or several of those books are deal with sermon illustrations. So you could look up a topic and, and look up an illustration or a story that would highlight that idea. But what I found is that one of the advantages that I have of being bivocational, particularly as a paramedic and a firefighter, is I never run out of stories. I never run out of unusual situations to use for illustrations for sermons to be able to um, explain the Bible better. Over the last couple of weeks, I've had a few unique patients that really spoke to me about our subject this morning of God being our healer. I'm going to tell you a little bit about this. I'm not breaking privacy rules but I'm still going to be a, a little bit vague as I go through this. One of the ones, um, people we had within the last week was a farmer who was trying to herd dairy cows into the barn. And I guess the, the, the cows, when you're going into the barn, I'm not a farmer, so I have no idea. You can correct me after service. But they kind of crowded around the farmer. And they were pushing back and forth and everything. And, and the leg got stepped on by one of the hooves, and it just tore just this huge wound into the, into the leg. And it was a pretty major injury, and just a, a big gaping hole. It needed extensive cleaning and sutures, and I was involved with all that. And it was a, it was a pretty, pretty nasty injury. It was so nasty that even some of our experienced nurses and, and staff in the hospital couldn't even go in the room and look at it because it was just, it was just really bad. And I was just thinking about that as I was considering the sermon and said, yeah, that person needed a physical healing. He needed God to be his healer in a physical way that time. Had another patient recently who had attempted to kill themselves. That person needed extensive patient. They were in kind of a manic, um, having a manic episode, so you couldn't get them to stay within one thought process. They wanted to walk over the ER and, and refused to take medication to help get them calmed down and they needed a lot of understanding and a lot of time to get them to sit down in a chair, get them properly medicated, and then to repair the huge laceration that they had cut into their arm. That person needed some emotional and mental healing. There was another person within the last couple of months that was homeless. This person had had a very, very hard life. They were orphaned at an early age. They grew up in the Chicago foster care system and had lived on the streets as a uh, street criminal, because that was the only way that they could survive. That person had every single disadvantage in life that could be thrown at them. When I sat down and talked to this person, just everything that went, could go wrong in your life went wrong in this person's life. And I had bent over to pick something up off the floor, and the, the dog tag cross thing that I wear uh, fell out, and they saw the cross and go, oh, you're one of those religious people, and you know they just loudly cursed God and everything having to do with church because they had gone to the churches in Chicago and had been turned away and, and all this kind of thing. And, and I was just thinking, well, that person needed God to be a spiritual healer at that point. And I bring all this up to point out this. When we think of God as our healer, we automatically, especially as Pentecostals, Think about miraculous physical healings. 
And sometimes we focus on that in the Pentecostal church because we desire to see God move in the miraculous. We desire to see God show himself mighty in a hopeless situation. However, there are multiple ways that God can and will bring healing to us. As I just demonstrated in the story of the three patients that I had encountered recently. And in the scripture we're going to read this morning, God is referred to as Jehovah Rophe, or God our healer. In the Hebrew, the word rofe is translated as healer, and it may, means to take something that is broken and restore it to its original intended condition. That's a literal uh, meaning of the word rofe. I saw that played out this week. I was at Tuesday night training um, at the firehouse, and we went and, and did a tour of one of the factories so we, we know the interior of it in case there's a fire there. We know exactly how we're going to get in and get into the fire and rescue people as fast as possible. And for that training, I got to drive the big pumper, big fire truck back and forth. And as I was backing into the fire station afterwards, the sun, the mirrors were all covered with soap and then the sun hit them just right, just as I was backing in and I was just completely blinded. Tammy will tell you, if it's at night and I get bright light in the eyes, like even fireworks, it just, it, it's like somebody punches me in the face. And it was just painful. And I stopped and I heard the back, the guy who was um, behind me backing me, so stop. And so I hit the brake real fast and I stopped. And I'm kind of going like this in the mirrors and you could, I could just barely see him just, you know, say, pull back out, you're way crooked. At the firehouse, we have a line in the on the floor that we're supposed to put the driver's side wheels on. We're supposed to be right in the middle of that line so that when we pull out again, we don't knock anything off the side of the fire trucks because it's a fairly tight fit. And so as I started to pull back out and I'm doing it through all this sunlight and all this thing, I hear along the driver's side of the thing and I'm like, oh no, what did I do? I'm never going to live this down. And so I managed to get the truck back into the station where it was supposed to be and I, I got out and the driver's and the diamond plate on the side of the truck was banged inward. It banged on the backup post, and it had torn a small hole in it, and it was just bent to where you couldn't even get the back door open now. And I'm just like, oh, I'm never going to live this down. And so I had to endure about 15 minutes of ribbing. And, and uh, in a firehouse, you, as a probationary firefighter, you learn that there are three things you need. Number one is a closed mouth. Number two are open ears. Number three is thick skin. And I know it's going to be a while before I get to live this down. So after, the, after they got done ribbing me about it, uh, Chad Schneider and Sam Spearstra crawled under it and spent the next 45 minutes actually pounding it back out to the point of it being just about normal. And I think Sam just came in and welded it because I saw it this morning. And I was actually pretty impressed because I thought, man, we're going to have to get like a whole new sidestep for the fire truck and Chief... Uh, Jeremiah is going to be really on my back about that. <laughs> and, but Chad and Sam did a great job in taking something that was broken and restoring it to its original condition. And that's the meaning of God's name. Taking what the world has broken, taking what the world has just shredded and torn apart and bent up and making it whole and completely functional again. And that's not just limited to the spiritual or to the physical, but also to the emotional and how we view the things that we view in life and how we think about life. So let's look at the biblical example this morning of Jehovah Rophe and what that means for you and I today. 
Exodus 15, starting in verse 22. Then Moses led Israel from the Red Sea, and they went out into the desert of Shur. For three days they traveled to the desert without finding water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the water because it was bitter. That is why the place is called Marah. So the people grumbled against Moses and said, What are we to drink? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a piece of wood. He threw it into the water, and the water became fit to drink. There the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. He said, If you listen carefully to the Lord your God and do what is right in His eyes, if you pay attention to His commands and keep all of His decrees, I will not bring on you any of the diseases I brought to the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. Then they came to Elam, where there were 20 springs and 70 palm, spring, palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord. I thank you for your word. I thank you, Father, for its timeless truth. I thank you, Father, that you show yourself as healer to us. And I ask, Father, that you just help this verse become alive to us today, that you help show us that it's not always physical healing, it's not always emotional healing, it's not always, always um, spiritual healing, but it's a healing simply sometimes of our mindset and the way that we look at life. Father God, I ask, Lord, that you just do miraculous things through this today, that our minds will be renewed and that we can look upon you with new faith, new hope, and new love today. Father, I ask this in your name. Amen. Now, it would be very Pentecostal of me to focus only on physical healing today. That's kind of always the expected direction in the Assembly of God or a Pentecostal church to take um, about a sermon when we talk about God being our healer, restoring our physical beings to help. However, we should note that it is not that we are not just physical beings. We're actually primarily spiritual beings having a temporary physical experience in this life. Because we also have a soul. We also have a spirit. So we're going to look more today at the things that affect the soul and spirit today and look at some of the ways that Jehovah Rophe can take that spiritual and soul brokenness and make it whole. Sometimes it's our mindset that needs to be healed. And I would define a mindset as our way of thinking and our way of viewing life. Do you know that your soul and spirit can be thinking your way into physical illness by having the wrong mindset on life? I mean, consider what we just read about Israel here. Consider where the Israelites had come from. They had just seen one of the greatest miracles ever recorded in the Bible. An ocean was split before them. And they walked through as if they were on dry land to escape from an army that was coming to kill them. And not only did God do that, but he also wiped out that army behind them. So they never had to worry about becoming slaves again. And in the beginning of chapter 15, you see they have a gigantic praise service. There's revival in the land. Imagine for a moment, six million people, six million people celebrating and singing the same song of praise and deliverance. 
When I was thinking about this section of Scripture, I remembered going to Promise Keeper events in Chicago, Milwaukee, and Indianapolis and hearing this incredible sound of 60,000 men singing the same song of praise to God. That just sounded so awesome to hear that. Now imagine a hundred times that amount of people singing praise to God. Imagine the joyful noise that that many people can make. But now they're three days away from this event at the Red Sea. Just three days. Just three days later. That's all it takes from, going, from seeing the only thing that could bring them back into slavery destroyed. And now they are complaining and doubting God's provision for them. They walked through water piled up on either side of them. I mean, I imagine they could see a whale swimming past them. I imagine, you know, as they watched this water come back and wipe out that army, they saw the immense power of God. Now, three days later, they are doubting God's provision for them. What happened? What is wrong with these people? What is wrong with the Israelites? Have you ever read the, the stories of the Israelites during the time of Moses? And you was like, what is wrong with these people? Before we are too hard on them, we have to realize the mindset they came from. And that mindset they came from was a mindset of a slave. For 400 years, their fathers and their father's fathers and their father's father's fathers have been slaves. They've endured the whips. They've endured the chains. They've endured the harsh treatment. They've even endured the slaying of their firstborn children. It's been bred into them, this mindset of a slave. Today we'd call that a victim mindset. And for them, it was rightfully so. They were the victims of something very horrible. But have you ever been around a person that has a victim or defeatist mindset? Have you ever been around a person like that? It's kind of depressing. I mean, they just kind of suck all the joy out of life. They're like that one rain cloud you have on, the cloudy day, on a sunny day. I always said their mascot is like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh. Anybody remember Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, the, the donkey? Yeah. I mean, an Eeyore kind of person, a person with a defeatist mindset, you walk up to him in the morning at work and you say, hey, good morning, how you doing today? Oh, what's so good about it? It's not a good morning. We're here at work. We should be somewhere else. It's a nice day and I got to be at work. He said, well, you know, we're going to have a good day. I doubt it. Boss is crabby. It's going to stink. You know, I mean, you can give them a gift and they'll just say, oh, it'll probably break tomorrow. Or somebody's going to steal it. Or it's the wrong color. Or, you know, they always find the negative in everything. And they can't see the good in anything. And they level that defeatist mindset, that mindset at everything in life. And it kills their spirit, and, and it spreads out to others. And it kills any chance of them ever being used by God, especially if they claim to be a Christian. Or if they're not a Christian, a lot of times it can defeat them to even coming to salvation because they don't believe that God could possibly love them. They don't believe in the goodness of the Savior that died for them. And one of the ways that God is our healer is that He came to restore our minds. So that we can have that correct way of looking at life and, of, and looking at God. 
And I know it's easy, you know, I'm kind of picking on people like this, but how often has this happened to us? How is this, often has this happened to you? God has moved for you in a miraculous way, and yet a few days later, you're doubting his love and his provision for your life again. Anybody had that happen to you? I have. Yeah, God, you know, you did something awesome for me a few days ago, but, you know, that was the last time anything was good done in my life. And, you know, we get kind of a Janet Jackson mindset. What have you done for me lately, God? You know, and we get that kind of attitude with God. And not only does this biblical event show us how fast an individual's mindset can change, but it also reflects an entire people group or even an entire nation. It shows how fickle we can be. Remember after September 11, 2001, that America and the entire Western world said, never again will we allow that to happen. How many years did it take to say, hey, let's open the borders? Hey, let's just, you know, not bother those people anymore. Let's just be nice to them. I'm sure that they'll just be nice to us then. Come on in. That's why Jesus' little brother James has such a great insight for us regarding our mindset when he said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. That's why God wants to restore that stable mindset to us. And that's why he says, choose you this day who you're going to serve. And in the context of what we're talking about this morning, are you going to serve your depression? Are you going to serve a negative mindset? Or are you going to serve the Lord, King, God of hosts? All of this has to do really with a lack of faith and a lack of trust in God. I saw this beautifully illustrated in Mark chapter 9. There's a record of a man with a demon-possessed boy who's having horrible seizures. This man came to Jesus and asked him, if you are able or if you are willing, will you save my son? Now that's a statement of faith to start a conversation out, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I don't know if you're able to. I don't even know if you want to. But hey, you know, can you throw me a, a bone and, and try to help my son? I mean, that, that's the 21st century John-inspired version of, of looking at that. You know, I, I don't know if you want to, Jesus. I don't know if you love my son at all. But hey, can you do something here? Jesus responds to that lack of faith with this answer. Jesus replied, if I am willing. And what that question did was stop that man in his tracks right there and say, wow, yeah, I didn't give him anything to work with here, did I? I questioned his character. I questioned his ability. I questioned the man himself when I said if. And that man's horrible line set was just laid bare before everyone to see him. And he blurts out what seems to be a very contradictory statement here when he says, I believe, help my unbelief. How many of us, if we're honest with each other, would say that same thing? We have belief, but we also have a considerable amount of doubt. How many of us can shout amen at the promise of Scripture, but not believe it in our own lives? How many of us have swaddled the lie, hook, line, and sinker, that you figure whatever bad situation exists in your life right now, that's just your cross you have to bear? How many of us have believed that lie? Because if you believe that, then you're a slave to an old mindset. 
You've never really surrendered that part of yourself to the Lord who wants to desperately heal you and set you free from that weight that is entangling you and keeping you from living a life that matters in the kingdom. And I know how easy it is to get caught up with wrong thinking. I'm just susceptible, as susceptible to it myself. Give me a week of busyness and little sleep and I'm wiped out. And I'm questioning what am I doing and why am I doing this? And I just, you know, I, I can have this come upon me myself. I understand that. And the great thing is Jesus understands that. The story at the, in Mark chapter 9 ends with Jesus saying these kind can only come out with fasting and prayer. Well, what's he talking about here? He's saying that these kind of fears, these kind of deep-set mindsets, these kind of doubts and that kind of unbelief can only come out when we crucify our flesh and submit those fears, those doubts, and those unbeliefs to God. He's saying it is possible, but you have to want to do it. There's an old but true sermon illustration that goes like this. You walk along and you see two dogs that are circling and, and growling and lunging at each other. and There's about to be a dog fight there. And you're looking at these dogs and you just have the, the thought, you know, which dogs are going to win this fight? Well, it's easy. A dog trainer will tell you, whichever dog is fed and exercised the most will win that fight. So which dog will win in your mindset? Well, it depends which ones you're feeding and exercising the most. It depends which one you're feeding into. It depends which one you're paying attention to the most. Is it the wretched dog of doubt in your life? Or is your dog of faith ready to devour any thought that doesn't come from God Himself? That's why the Bible says, take captive every thought. Every thought. Does it say some thoughts? Every thought. Say that. Every thought every thought, and make it obedient to Christ. You see, Jehovah Rophe wants to take what the world has corrupted in our minds and make it new again. And that brings us to the second point about Jehovah Rophe making all things new is that God provides for the healing. You see it in the story here. In verse 25, when Moses cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a piece of wood, he threw it into the water and the water became fit to drink. And there the Lord issued a ruling and instruction for them and put them to the test. You know, one of the things I love about our God is watching Him use the ordinary. Using Him use what seems to be foolishness to accomplish His will, to accomplish His purpose in life. He instructs Moses to toss some wood into the water. And I imagine Moses just looked around for the, the closest pieces of wood he could find, probably a, a piece of driftwood over here, something that had been bleached and, and dried out in the sun. And, and he, he threw it in. And think about that just for a second. A piece of wood that has been sitting there baking in the desert, sitting there baking in the sun. It's had all the moisture sucked out of it. It is useful for nothing. And it's thrown back into a body of water. And this isn't just a small pond. We're talking about a body of water that was expected to sustain 6 million people and their livestock. So this was no small body of water here. He just tosses a small piece of wood back in there and it, the water becomes healed. You know, this is a piece of 2 by 4 I went to the firehouse this morning and got it. Somebody wrote my name on it. 
This 2x4 was used to brace behind the diamond plate to pound it back into place. You can see on this side, you can see the, the hammer marks where they were just pounding the heck out of the diamond plate, and they wrote my name on it. And then they came and gave me a marker and said, you should just sign the bumper and, and the pole there where you scratched it, just so everybody knows exactly who backed into the, into the pole. And it's amazing to me that this couple ounces of wood you know, it weighs, you know, probably, I don't know, five, six ounces, was used to fix a 50,000-pound fire truck when it has 1,000 gallons of water on it. It weighs 50,000 pounds. That's crazy if you think about it. This little piece of wood helped repair that diamond plate. We couldn't have done it without it because it was placed behind it and used to pound down and pound inward and reshape that diamond plate back to the way that it was, it was intended to be. So we could step on it and open doors and things like that. But that's how God works. God often uses the common things and the situations in life to speak to us that way. Just like I shared some of those experiences at the beginning of the message, where I see God working in different people's lives and how people need him in different ways, he speaks to us in similar ways if we're just willing to quiet ourselves and listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. But first, he has to take care of some of that bitter water in our spirits, doesn't he? The bitter water in this story is a type or an example of sin, of doubt, of unbelief, and disobedience. Part of our makeup as human beings is that we exist in a perpetual state of thirst. Not only thirst of, of physical water, but of stimulation also. From a... From a Neurophysiological side, a person, I don't know if you realize this, but a person, when you're awake, needs constant stimulation. Even when you are asleep, your brain is still stimulated. That's why you dream. Your brain needs that constant state of, sti of stimulation. Or you can literally go insane without it. Do you know that's why prisons use solitary confinement as a punishment? One time in the, they call it the hole, one time in the hole would generally cure the most stubborn inmate of his rebellion. In fact, one of the best interrogation tactics that they use isn't the famous torture or famous waterboarding, but it's sensory deprivation. They put you in a tank with, on a, with a suit and they give you a mild sedative and they put noise-canceling microphones around you and so you can see nothing, you can hear nothing, you can feel nothing, and you think you're dead. They said the most anybody's ever been able to survive that is 90 minutes, and they crack. They go insane. Literally will go insane. Because we're spiritual beings, we need that kind of stimulation. The problem is, is that the vast majority of humanity exists within a spiritual desert. So when they go and they think they're going to go and get water, it turns out to be really a mirage. And they ended up just drinking sand, drinking things that don't refill their spirit. And they keep drinking it and drinking it and drinking it. And it just doesn't refill their spirit. And it makes them more and more thirsty. That's why people start with this little bit of sin. And all of a sudden, it just seems like their whole life falls apart. Because they dive into it more and more. It's that necessity of stimulation that we have. So I ask you, the next time when you go home, you open the internet, or you turn your TV on, or you pick up that book, ask yourself, which dog am I feeding? 
You see, you exist in this perpetual state of thirstiness. And whether it's for stimulation or water or, or anything else, you have to ask yourself, which, of, which part of my spirit am I feeding? Am I trying to feed some of my old sinful man that's supposed to be dead? Or am I feeding my spirit that has been rejuvenated and renewed by God? In our reading this morning, an old piece of driftwood serves as an illustration for us. And it foreshadows an event that would happen 1,500 years later, where Jehovah Rophe again would use an old rugged piece of wood to bring healing. Jesus carried and hung on wood for us. He did that to take away that bitter penalty of sin. And not just the eternal consequences, not just even the temporal consequences, but it's in present effect that it has on our minds, our souls, and our spirits. So if you deal with negative thoughts here, just close your eyes for a moment, because I want to give you some fuel for your spiritual tank. I want you to listen to a few promises within scriptures that I wrote down for you today. Listen to this. God said, behold, I make all things new. All things new. You are a new creation in Christ. The old has gone and the new has come. God has cast your sin into a sea of forgetfulness. God has separated your sin from you as far as the east is from the west. And this is one of my favorites. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And let this promise fill every corner of your mind right here. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor anything present, nor anything to come, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. That brings us to our last point and the last promise we see within this scripture of God being our healer. And that is, when life slams the door on you, Elam is on the other side. Verse 27 says, When they came to Elam, there were twelve springs and seventy, palms, seventy palm trees, and they camped there near the water. Let's just review for a second. Israel had a major miracle that resulted in their deliverance. They're now a free people. Three days later, they meet their first obstacle, this tainted spring. And their reaction was complaining. God tells Moses, Moses, this was a test for the people. And God's times of testing are not to prove something to God. God already knows how we're going to react. It's to prove something to ourselves. It's to show us things within our own life that aren't pleasing to him and that we need to surrender to him. So God's times of testing expose what is really within us. And most of us will derail God's moving in our lives and derail any chance for growing in God because we don't allow Jehovah Rophe to bring healing into our minds when those things are exposed to us. This is an easy test for you right now. Ask yourself this. When things are going bad, do you complain 
Or do you lift up the situation in prayer until you have peace about it? Because if you complain, you're still bound by that old mindset. These last few verses here aren't just a historical record for us to gloss over and keep going. They're not just a, a, a small footnote to this, this part of Scripture. They're a promise. They're a promise for us that if we stay faithful during the dark time, if we stay faithful during the hard time, the times of God's testing, there is an oasis of blessing on the other side of that tent. God's provision will be there for you. Jennifer and Tammy, if you'd come back up. God's testing shows us if you learn to rejoice, even in the bitter times, that God will bring you to the Elam because your heart and your mind will be ready to receive his blessing, will be ready to receive his provision. And it will not be as water pour, as new wine poured into an old wineskin and it just rips apart and spills on the ground. You'll be able to contain that blessing and use it for his kingdom. Amen? Let's all rise. I would ask you today, do you need Jehovah Rophe to bring healing to your thoughts and your mindset today? Or is your soul heavily burdened? Is your mind filled with dread about each and every coming day? Do you have a problem letting go and letting God be God? If so, enter into a time of worship with Him today.